everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, and every two weeks, I endeavor to have an inspiring conversation with an ordinary person leading an extraordinary life. My conversation today is with the trio of authors of Hey Astrology, John Kieran, Vicki Rocky, and Alicia Orsisi Dotson. Hey Astrology is a hybrid astrology, and I will let our guests explain what that means. I've just finally figured out how to pronounce it properly. Welcome, Jack, Cece, and Vicki. How are you? Doing well. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All good here. <laughs> Great. It's good to have the three of you on, and we'll try to, to juggle uh, uh, voices here um, since we can't see each other. So... We will do our best. And actually, this is our second recording because the first one didn't happen. So, gee, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That will raise the expectation here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start with each one of you. Jack, if you'd like to start since you're kind of the, uh, the person who uh, founded K-Astrology and spearheaded it. Let's get each of your stories about, you know, how did you get into this? What, how, did, how did this come about? Well, for me, I had an interest in metaphysical ideas since I was a young guy, and it was in the background. I entered the the uh, normal process of getting a job and starting a family, and, and so my metaphysical, spiritual ideas were sort of left behind for a while, and then suddenly, when I was in my mid-30s, my co-worker suggested that I, I get my chart read by an astrologer. And I said, <laughs> why not? <laughs> so I met her friend. Her name was Sharon Mann. And she was not only an astrologer, but a psychic. Mm -hmm. And she claimed that all of her knowledge of astrology Basically, she channeled. It wasn't something that she learned from other people. She channeled it from the other side, from the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. And she read my chart, and I was just astounded. And I, I couldn't believe how accurate it was. <laughs> After she was done, I said, I got to learn how to do that. Tell me how you did that. And that started a two-year odyssey of me learning astrology from her, mm -hmm. and and that was that was fine, except it was a little uncomfortable. I come How from so? a, well, I come from a scientific background. Mm. I've been in computers most of my career, and there are some things. I'm also an amateur astronomer, so mm -hmm. there's some things about standard astrology out of the box that did not set well with me. So I, I was uneasily doing astrology. And my, my uh, psychic, Sharon, was saying that I was the best student she'd ever had. So I was doing it pretty well. <laughs> mm -hmm. But even, even so, scientifically, it just did not set well. So suddenly, on a fluke, she came, uh, said one day that there's something wrong with the planets. <laughs> I'm going, oh yeah. <laughs> she, she said she looked at what was going on in the world and she looked at where the planets were 
and it didn't seem to line up. The energies of the planets did not seem to match what was going on in the world. So I, I said, okay, I'll go out with my telescope, my binoculars, and I'll take a look and, and start verifying where the planets were. Because she was saying the planets are in the wrong place. <laughs> so I, I went out there and I was looking for Jupiter, which is sort of like going into a tunnel and having a, a locomotive pointed at you and the headlight in the tunnel is going to be pretty obvious. And mm-hmm. it, the tunnel, though, was a constellation called Cancer. Okay. Now, on the outsides of Cancer, on either side, you've got Gemini and Leo. And those are very distinctive, very bright, beautiful constellations. So this dark patch in between them, if if Jupiter was supposed to be there, and that's what the book said, astrologers use what's called an ephemeris. Okay. And the, the ephemeris tells you where all of the planets are throughout decades, usually a half century or more. Mm-hmm. So the ephemeris said Jupiter was supposed to be in Cancer, and I'm expecting to see this headlight in the tunnel and it's not there so i'm sort of taken aback and (laughs) and i start looking around at the two nearby constellations of gemini and and leo and suddenly i notice there's an extra light at the feet of gemini and i trained my binoculars on it and it had four little pinpricks of light and i watched this constellation over a series of nights and the pinpricks moved that told me that they were moons and that this light was jupiter so jupiter was in the wrong place (laughs) interesting (laughs) except jupiter is where it's going to be right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) you can't tell jupiter what to do so the books were wrong and it it floored me and it wasn't for some time afterwards that we together found out that the difference is that there are two different types of astrology that are predominant. Mm-hmm. One is what's called Western astrology or tropical astrology. And that's what most people know. Right. But it's the tropical astrology that has the planets in the wrong positions. Now, the other version, which is not well known, is very rarely used, is called sidereal mm-hmm. astrology, and it comes from India. And basically, the difference between the two is sidereal is about 25 and a half degrees different. So it's almost a full sign. So here I was looking for Jupiter and Cancer, but... I had to subtract 25 and a half degrees, almost 30 degrees, which put Jupiter back in the previous sign of, of Gemini. Mm-hmm. So that was the big difference between the two signs. Now, when I started making an adjustment, my readings improved dramatically. So I became a convert to sidereal immediately, and I <laughs> never looked back. Oh, interesting. So... Just for clarity, let's say let's say somebody. Well, I'll use Scorpio because I'm a Scorpio. Um, let's say if somebody is their sun is at ten degrees Scorpio, that would mean in the sidereal uh, method they would actually be the sign before 
Yes. Okay. Yes. But if they were, say, 28 degrees Scorpio, they'd still be in Scorpio then. Right. But very early in right. that sign. Right. Right. Okay. So, so it doesn't always force a person's sun sign to go back a full sign mm -hmm. by going to Sidereal. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of the time it does. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Awesome. Okay, great. So that's a good introduction to it. How about you, Vicki? So I am actually Jack's daughter. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, my dad used to take my sister and I out with his telescope to look at planets. And that's kind of when I fell in love with astronomy. There was just something magical about it. But also my dad had such knowledge that I was attracted to uh, learning. And I remember one day my mom and my dad, they were sitting at the kitchen table and my dad was doing my mom's chart. And I remember him telling her to be careful because according to the, the transits in there that she might get into a car accident soon. Mm. And sure enough, a month later she was T-boned in her car and she was light, very lucky to come out uninjured. But that experience aroused my curiosity for doing people's charts. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a few years later, I asked my dad to teach me how to do it because he kept saying things and doing people's chart and it was so correct and right on. And I just had to be a part of that. So at the time he didn't really have structure and there really wasn't any rhyme or reason to anything, but he was trying to teach me and trying to learn how to teach me. Mm -hmm. And of course I was the kid that asks relentlessly, but why, how, why, you know how little kids are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. And I, and he would say to me, uh, let me think about that and let me get back to you. So over the next few years, we figured out ways to make the system teachable, mainly by me asking questions and he trying to figure it out mm -hmm. and, and going back and forth. And at one point, I noticed that there was a system of threes that was being repeated. And mm. so in my head, I kept referring to them as triads. Mm, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because I, I came up with that term. And then one day I said it aloud to my dad and I said, oh, yeah, this triad. And I remember he paused for a minute and said, what? <laughs> and one of the critical concepts that uh, I want to explain about the triads is that each triad has three pieces in it. You have the house you have the sign and you have the planet mm -hmm. and there are 12 triads mm -hmm. and in our readings we use the moon the sun and pluto as planets but technically they're not considered planets obviously pluto mm -hmm. is a trans-neptunian object and the sun is obviously a star and then of course you have the moon but they each have a part of their own triad and the only exceptions is that Venus and Mercury, they both do double duty. How so? They are each part of two different triads. So we use Venus in the seventh triad, 
and also the second triad. And we use mercury in the sixth triad and the third triad. And the important thing about triads is that they're all read the same way wherever they are in someone's chart. And one piece flavors the read depending on where it is and where it's located in a chart or what other triads are around it. And that's how the reading comes together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in comes Cece. Hi, Cece. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get involved in all this? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I, for the first 40 years of my life, looked at astrology as uh, for entertainment purposes only. Ah. Okay. Because, you know, I grew up with, you know, the, the newspaper would have the reading for Aries for the day mm-hmm. and it was always wrong. <laughs> at least for me, it was. And, you know, you fast forward to, uh, I was about 40 years old when I got my first astrology reading and it wasn't by Jack. It was another astrologer. Mm-hmm. Um, she started off with the tropical system and it felt so uncomfortable to me that she was, she was guided to, um, to shift it into the sidereal. Uncomfortable in the sense that it wasn't resonating with you? Correct. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. It just didn't feel accurate. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... So, right, when I got the sidereal reading from the, the first astrologer, when she shifted it into sidereal, it felt so much better. Like, there was, I, like, literally felt relieved that, uh-huh. that I didn't have to be that other energy, <laughs> that other thing that she was describing, because it didn't feel like me at all. Uh-huh. So, uh, about a month later, I moved to Colorado. And I met uh, Jack at his wife's uh, metaphysical center. Uh-huh. And he was getting ready to teach a class on K-astrology. And what I realized was that he was teaching the method of astrology that I had just had a great experience with. So that's how I got into it. There are no coincidences. <laughs> no, there really aren't. <laughs> This is no exception. So, so like Vicky, I was learning from John. He had a he had a really thorough class set up. Uh, it was about a two month class, mm-hmm. and he he described the triads. He described you know the whole shifting into the sidereal mode. But what he what he was doing without realizing it, he kept using two triads in combination. Like, for example, the fifth triad and the tenth triad, he would always say, now that's the that's a teacher or someone who's in sales. That's someone who's showing what they know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started writing those things down you know, for uh, the 10-1 combination. That was, uh, that's leadership or... Mm-hmm. Someone who's in charge. Interesting. Okay. So those actually eventually became the couplet system that we use. Mm-hmm. And it's now we just we realize that those combinations, when they keep repeating like that, it's not just the obvious ones like the 510 or the 101. 
It's all of them. So one of the cornerstones of K-Astrology is actually the couplets that started because I had to understand what was going on. I was trying to really absorb like a sponge what John was teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming, and please tell me if I'm wrong, um, that a triad can be interpreted on its own and then interpreted in relationship to another one, like a, yes, maybe a, a kind of a synergistic effect of the two of them together. Yes, ma'am. And it goes beyond that. It's not just one triad or two triads. Sometimes you have a whole group of planets in one place mm-hmm. and it just expands. It's it's an exponential thing. Oh, cool. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In the couplets, we find that the, when you use the couplets, it helps to make sure you haven't missed anything. Mm-hmm. It helps to make sure that you're covered in terms of um, an accurate reading. Mm-hmm. Now, does this relate uh, to triangulation at all? or No, um, well, mm, yes and no. Um, triangulation is when you're reading when you're reading a particular place in the chart. Mm-hmm. Let's use the moon, for example. Let's say the moon is in the third house. Okay. You're reading the third house. You're reading the moon in there. Mm-hmm. But if you take a step back and you look at what the triads, the other parts of the triad are. So the moon, for example, is the ruler of the fourth house mm-hmm. and also cancer. Okay. So you look around the chart for the cancer and the fourth house and you come up with a triangle. Mm. And quite often there are confirmations with those two other parts of the triangle oh. of the triad. Mm-hmm. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. So how does that differ then from, uh, should we call it, tra- I forget, you didn't call it traditional astrology, but. Tropical. 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 I knew the T mm-hmm. was right. Um, and I think of it as traditional. How does that differ from tropical astrology that we normally would get as a reading? They don't have triads. That's completely different. Mm. Mm-hmm. Most astrologers will assign specific qualities and energies to a house, a different set of qualities to the sign, zodiac sign, and then another set to the planet. But for us, we have one set for the planet, the sign, and the house. And it's uh, the the set of energies and traits is identical for each of the three parts of a triad. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is that uh, this is something we didn't we didn't talk about before when we did our previous recording? But I, I just had this thought: Is there an example or two that you could give, like kind of more specific of a, a reading that would show something in the tropical? but would be different in the sidereal that is uh, much more accurate? Or is that kind of, without having a chart, kind of hard to do? The ascendant for, for Eleanor Roosevelt, and with sidereal, her ascendant is, is Scorpio. Uh, the ascendant is how other people see you. Okay. 
it's like it's like looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not how you see yourself, but as other people see you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's based on you taking action. The first triad, as we call it, which includes the first house, is how other people see you because it's you taking action. Mm, okay. And as, as a result, that is who you are in their eyes. You are far more complex. You are all of the planets, all of the signs, and all of the houses. But it's the first house and the first triad that other people see. So that's how they interpret who you are. Right or wrong. <laughs> oh, that's now that's that's a really good explanation. Thank you, because I, I'm not sure if I've ever heard it quite that way. Because I, I would imagine that applies whether you're doing tropical or sidereal. That's true. Right. Okay. Now, now originally, I learned tropical. Mm-hmm. I, I just found that sidereal worked better, and and CC's story is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. For 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 many people. The tropical just never fit quite right. Mm-hmm. And when we switch to sidereal, they go, oh, that fits a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so the the Pluto is part of the eighth triad with Scorpio and the eighth house. And it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And with our system she would have had in tropical, she would have had Sagittarius, which is laid back and easygoing, mm-hmm. and that would be on her first house. But she was world famous for her powerful position. She ended up being the UN representative for the United States. Mm-hmm. She was she was a powerful lady. Mm-hmm. So that would be an example of, with tropical, she would have been Sagittarius, which is laid back, easygoing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. no, she mm-hmm. was she was a powerful lady. So with moving her ascendant to Scorpio, that power showed up. Other people saw her as having power. Basically, she represented F- FDR since he had polio and was confined mm-hmm. to a wheelchair. Right. So she flew around the world representing him she was a powerful lady Mm -hmm. so that's an example of switching from tropical to sidereal Mm -hmm. and making a significant difference yeah that's a that's actually a great example so what about the philosophy behind this um because it it seems to me that there's much more of a philosophical way of living kind of basis to this than there is with the tropical? I think first and foremost, we support and believe in the golden rule. Mm -hmm. That's something that most world religions support. Why don't you repeat it just in case somebody kind of forgot what that is? (laughs) Yeah, it's typically described as treating others the way we want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And we, we like to see that in our own justice system. People mm-hmm. like to be treated equally. So not only is it something in religious organizations and philosophies, it's also something that I believe the United Nations came up with something that it was a declaration of human rights, universal declaration of human rights, which closely aligns with the golden rule. Mm-hmm. So it's a philosophy that we support 
And we also have references to near-death experiences, which mm -hmm. also promote that idea. And for us, the key is that if we live according to the golden rule, then we will have a successful life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not easy to do. And if we fall or fail in some respects and we don't treat others as we would like to be treated, then that comes around and creates what we call karma. Mm -hmm. And mm. that will eventually create another life for us, reincarnation. So we, res we support reincarnation as well. Mm -hmm. So perhaps and you'd like to define karma, and uh, just in case there are people that don't really understand what these terms mean. Actually, karma and the related term dharma mm -hmm. come from India. Okay. And karma originally was intended to be both good and bad karma. Mm -hmm. But the way that Edgar Cayce used it, mm -hmm. it always mm -hmm. indicated a problem area. Mm -hmm. if, if someone had karma, it was a case where they did not treat other people equitably or in, in the highest regard. So the karma that we refer to refers to it as Edgar Cayce would, that okay. it's a, a negative attribute. So is there a different word for a positive attribute that you're bringing with you? Yes, we use dharma, and that comes from India also. Okay. Uh, dharma stands for or is interpreted as right living. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you're living according to the highest ideals, that would be right living. Okay. So we use dharma to mean aligning with the golden rule. Someone who lives according to the golden rule, that, that would be a dharmic life. And for, for us, if someone has failed to follow or align with the golden rule, they'll be back again. This earth, this world is a training situation. We learn. And that's how, how Sharon Mann taught me is that we have lessons in life. Things happen to us for a reason. And I think, Janine, you used that term earlier, that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the way Sharon would approach this, that in this lifetime, we are having these experiences, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. It's for our own learning, that we learn through experience. So that, to me, is indicative, first and foremost, that everybody who's here has some karma that they're working through. Mm -hmm. And e even for somebody who happens to be uh, a highly idealistic guided person, part of their reason for incarnating might be because in a prior life they had ideals, but I ideals, but they did not express them. So now they're in this earth so that they can express those ideals for others to see and learn from. Mm -hmm. So everyone has lessons to learn. Would that be kind of like a bodhisattva? Um, I'm not familiar with that, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. Well, it's kind of a, a person who doesn't, my understanding, <clears throat> hopefully I'm, I'm correct here, but I believe it's a, a someone who ha has agreed to come and they don't, 
they don't have to, but they want to come to be of service and right. to to help. Yeah, and and we have one of our test cases in our book of someone who I would say fits that description. We have the life of Krista McAuliffe, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. was heavily into service for others. She believed that if she wasn't contributing, wasn't helping, she couldn't do that, then she didn't feel right. It was deep in her soul that she was here to serve others and to help this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's also people who have mental handicaps mm-hmm. who don't process thinking the same way. Right. A, a lot of times they come into this life for the benefit of somebody else, usually a parent or a caregiver, somebody who has to take care of them on a day-to-day basis. Their reason for coming into this life is to uh, help other people, not necessarily themselves. Yeah, the situation is some people have afflictions, Mm -hmm. and afflictions are not punishments. They are made to force people to learn. And a good example is Christopher Reeve. Mm -hmm. He was very Mm -hmm. much involved with athletics and being physical. And then, of course, he had the accident where he became a quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. But he admitted himself that after his accident, he became a better person. Mm. So the accident was not intended to punish him. It was because there were abilities that he he was not sharing. They were strengths that he could help others. And so the accident forced him to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, for, for situations where a parent has a child come, coming in with an affliction, our approach is that it's not the child that carries the affliction because of punishment or even growth. It's more likely, as Vicki was saying, it's the, the parent who needed to learn. Mm. Sometimes an affliction needs to be ha- handled, I guess, by the, the adult. But the adult is not strong enough to take on the affliction. So instead of the adult being given the affliction, a wise soul from the other side comes in with the affliction, forcing the adult to learn to care for others and, and, and basically face the issues and grow in support of others. So it's a case where someone is learning through the affliction, mm-hmm. whether it's the afflict, afflicted person or the caregivers. Interesting. Hmm. Well, that certainly gives everyone a, a different perspective, a different way of, of looking at that. Now, what about, you had uh, mentioned uh, at one time that, that K-Astrology is based in hard science and traditional astrology isn't. Perhaps someone, one of you or all of you could give some examples of the differences there. Well, I think I'm probably going to be the, the one to, to follow up on that because I was the one that was troubled mm. with... Mm-hmm. Since, to me, tropical astrology just did not match science at all. You have something nearby the moon, 
which has obviously an important effect since Mm -hmm. it's so close. And the sun also, but then small little planets such as Mercury or even faraway planets like Pluto, Mm -hmm. describing an effect from those just did not seem possible. In fact, astronomers would complain about astrology because for them, there's no way that that Pluto being billions of miles away could have an effect on us Hmm. or the other planets as well. So I was troubled by that. And what happened is I finally, looking at this scientifically, I, I saw that first and foremost, astrology charts are based on three pieces of information, date of birth, time of birth, and location of birth. Mm-hmm. So to me, what was significant about that and learning about the, the basic it's a, actually an envelope that permeates the earth. It's based in magnetism. Magnetism is, is huge within the universe. So mm-hmm. the earth has magnetic poles and they're not the same as our rotational poles. We rotate on the North and South pole, but we also have a magnetic North pole mm-hmm. and a magnetic South pole. And out of these poles, there's a, a magnetic flow, a flux, and it creates a bubble of magnetism around the planet. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that this magnetic envelope is affected by the solar wind. The sun is streaming out a wind of charged particles, and when they crash into the magnetosphere on the day side of the Earth, it compresses the magnetosphere. Mm-hmm. And on the, the night side, this wind, as it goes over, it pulls on the magnetosphere, creating what's called a tail, or specifically a magneto tail. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Earth spinning completely within a 24-hour period, mm-hmm. what happens is the shape of the magnetosphere changes all the time. It happens all the time because the Earth is revolving all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So the shape of the magnetosphere is going to be unique. And not only unique for the magnetosphere as a whole, but in relationship to the surface of the Earth. So the location on the Earth is going to have a different shape of magnetosphere every day. And that continues from season to season because the earth is tilted. And and because the earth is tilted, that magnetosphere shape is constantly changing throughout the year. So that explains why you can have a need for those three pieces of information and it be related to something other than the distant stars and planets. It's related to... We're saying it's related to something right in front of it. It's it's the magnetosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I would assume then that it that would also take into consideration the, the fact that magnetic north has been shifting. Moving. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. 
And <clears throat> what that effect is going to be, it we're not sure, but some folks say that the shifting of the poles might also shift the type of people who incarnate. Oh, interesting. So, they, in what already, way? In what, do you... Well, well, they've talked about indigo children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and indigo children go out there and communicate on what they call the grid, whatever the grid is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the indigo children know what that is, but <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot of the rest of us don't. Uh-huh. Apparently, it, it's there, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's related to magnetism as well. So that's that's a key component for us. Mm-hmm. But there's another component that prompted our name. It's chaos theory. Mm-hmm. And chaos, chaos theory is sort of an ambiguous term that meeple, most people don't understand. And the related term is fractal. A lot mm-hmm. of people are more, more likely to have heard fractal than chaos theory. <clears throat> but the... Two tenets, major tenets of chaos theory is first and foremost, sensitivity to initial conditions. That basically says that what happens at first is going to have long-term repercussions. And for astrology, where you were born, your date, time, and location, those are your initial conditions. And that, for us, sets the stage for your natal chart, as we call it, your birth chart, Mm -hmm. as well as what happens to you for the rest of your life. It sets the stage for who you are and what's going to happen to you. So that is the first part, sensitivity to initial conditions. And the next part is self-similarity. Now, self-similarity, the best way of seeing that is looking at your fingertips. Okay. You've, You've got you know, all of your fingertips there, and they look sort of the same. Mm-hmm. They've got lines and horals and loops and so forth. But the FBI says they're all different, even on your two hands. Mm-hmm. No two fingerprints are alike. And that is the basis of sim- self-similarity. They look similar, but yet they're different. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to fractals as well. They look similar, but they're different. And for us humans, we look sort of similar, but no two of us are alike. Mm -hmm. And that is a key component of our life being set up. We might have charts, and they may have all of these planets. They have the same zodiac signs. They have the same houses. But no two charts are quite alike. They're self-similar, They've got houses and signs and planets, but no two are identical. And that, to us, is is a key factor in doing our readings. Now, there is an exception, and it would be a conjoined twin. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about twins, but you're talking about conjoined twins now. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes twins will be born separated by hours. Mm-hmm. So that that would be a significant difference to change the chart. But for a conjoined twin like the Hensel twins, Mm -hmm. that would be, and other conjoined twins, it would be impossible to consider their births as being different. Mm -hmm. And that's that's an area that 
we need to have more research and data. The Hensel twins, all of their friends will remark with some humor that the two, Brittany and, and uh, Abby, are definitely different. They, they have different personalities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's an interesting area for us to research in the future. Mm-hmm. But in general, because we rely heavily on chaos theory underpinning our whole system, we have appended the word chaos to the word astrology. And that's where our term chaostrology comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. This is, it seems, I mean, I have, I've studied tropical astrology years ago and I used to give readings, but this, this does seem to be uh, a little more complex. Would that be correct <laughs> or not? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have some interns right now and they've been studying this and learning this for over a year year and they're getting very close to becoming certified uh-huh. but it's not it's not something that you can do overnight the book mm-hmm. that we're writing now we wouldn't expect people to read the book and be able to give readings this is basically an introduction even though it is a textbook that we're writing okay it it is a system that is complex and needs practice and I know that Cece and and Vicky can attest to how long it takes to learn this. Of course, they had adverse conditions. <laughs> they had no book to learn from. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, this is fascinating. Now, uh, one of my, I love nodes, the lunar nodes. And um, I'd like to have you guys talk about that a little bit, maybe Maybe Vicky and Cece, maybe one can talk about the North Node, one can talk about the South Node and bring you guys back in. Sure. Yeah, I guess I could start with the South Node. Okay. And we use the South Node as where you're coming from a past life, mm-hmm. as as more of a position relating to karma. Okay. And and then, of course, the North Node is Dharma, where you're trying to get. But with the South Node, that's when in the way that we are teaching in our book is that you you first start with the karma. You start with the South Node and seeing where they went wrong in in a prior life. What is it that they're trying to change? What is where did they fail Mm-hmm. And it's either too much or too little of whatever aspect it is. Mm-hmm. It could be they could have been impulsive and angry or they could have lied all the time. I mean, just anything karmic. Mm-hmm. And that is associated with the South Node. And the way out of our karma is through Dharma, which I will let Cece explain Okay, now, and also, is the North Node directly opposite the South Node? Yes. Always, okay. Always. Okay. All right, so one of, um, one of the first things that John taught me was, if you're, if you're in a situation that you don't like, the fastest way out of it is to do a 180-degree turn 
and go the other direction. Oh, interesting. And yeah, so that's, that is how I think. And I, to this day, I think about the North and the South nodes in that way. Could you give an example of that? Sure. Um, if you are, let's say, um, I did, I did the, um, Anne Frank chart mm -hmm. and her North node is in the 11th house and her South node is in the fifth house. Mm -hmm. When she was a child, she was always wanting to be the center of attention, which mm -hmm. is a fifth triad attribute, mm -hmm. wanting to always be in the public. It's like the spotlight's on me. Got it. Um, the 11th triad is representative of the masses. It's being just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. There's no spotlight. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of her life, she was kind of in, a, she grew up in a privileged family. Mm -hmm. And the end of her life, fairly obviously, she was definitely with the masses. I mean, even to the point of, we don't know exactly where she was buried. She was in a mass grave mm -hmm. along with everybody else. So that's a, a, just a really um, visual, a very um, image rich example of the North and the South nodes. So the flaw was in her wanting to be in the spotlight and the correction was becoming like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Being part of the audience. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, something else I wanted to talk about, though, with the North Node and how we do and the importance of it is when uh, when I was learning the system of K-Astrology, I struggled with understanding how John was deciding which direction to take the reading, because every triad has multiple uh, possibilities. Mm hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's not just one. That's part of what makes it complex. Mm -hmm. The North Node and the South Node are actually the indicators. Those are like your north-seeking arrow. Got it. It's like your compass point. Mm -hmm. Gives you some direction to go in. It does. It's the. It's like okay. If you have, you know, for example, the North and South. Um, you you have the karmic read that John was talking about. And you're not sure exactly what what the solutions are. Mm -hmm. You always look for the North Node, mm -hmm. and that, that that's never wrong. Mm -hmm. It's that's what you're looking for. That's the goal. That's the objective in this life. Look for the North Node. Follow that, and you're probably going to do pretty well. Interesting. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, and it it was part of how we. It's now it's part of the book. Uh, as how to do a read and how to get accurate, reliable, and consistent readings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. oh, what a segue. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so do you guys do readings for people? It's kind of a dumb question, but, you know, I need to ask it. Absolutely. <laughs> and for your listeners, we want to provide a, a special rate if they provide us with your name, Janine, on their request, we will give the special discount rate. Right now, our readings are at $210 for a reading, but okay. we're going to give a special rate of basically 
half off. So $100 for a natal chart reading for your listeners. Wow, yeah, we do, thank you. We do readings. Thank you. Uh, what about if somebody wants transits, too? Uh, that would be uh, another $50 for the transits because okay. that's normally $105. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So both of those, a little more than 50% off. Oh, thank you so much, guys. That's that's really generous. Um, so how do people arrange this then if they decide they want a natal chart and or a transit done? We will have a link on our website mm-hmm. that they can click and send us an email or contact us. And with that contact, we need a contact because through email because we like to send people their chart which is graphic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it just does not work out well (laughs) through other media right like the the telephone and so forth Mm -hmm. so we we like to have email for them to provide their birth information date time and location and then in turn we can send back the the actual chart that we devise for them okay and then our readings usually take about two hours, and we do it over the phone. We'll ask them, we'll send an invoice uh, for PayPal. That's mm-hmm. how we are okay. presently using it. Mm-hmm. So we'll send them an invoice through PayPal, and once that's paid, we will do the reading. And again, it's about two hours. And usually we like to have a few days before mm-hmm to analyze the chart. Sure. So it's not something where you pay for it and you get a reading two hours later. <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. So, so. Uh, we'll have a link on the podcast webpage um, for them to go to. And if they want to go right to your website and click on the link, what is your website? It's kastrology.com. And we'll, let's we'll have an spell that. Let's there. spell that out for everybody. Okay. All right, K-Astrology is C-H-A-O-S-T-R-O-L-O-G-Y. Did I get that right? Excellent, yes. I was watching, <laughs> I've got it written down, so I was watching just to make sure. And it's .com, mm-hmm. C-O-M. Okay, awesome. And um, now, do people uh, request one of you or just whoever is, is next in line? Um, how does that work? Uh, actually, Cece came up with our technique since we're going to have more than just the co-authors being able to do readings. Mm-hmm. Our interns are getting very close okay. to being certified as well. And as a result, we are going to be going through, as Cece calls it, pass, play or pass. So, <laughs> <laughs> this sounds so, interesting. <laughs> Well, a lot of us have multiple things going on, and and as a result, who's available to do this reading? Mm -hmm. So if if they're ready, then they'll play. And then the next request that comes in, we'll start with the next person down the line, Mm -hmm. play or pass. And Mm -hmm. that way, as soon as someone becomes available to do a reading, they will pick it up. Mm -hmm. No, that sounds like like a pretty good system. Sounds fair. Cool. So, um, okay, so I'm going to have this information on the website, too. Um, your book, when will that is, when is that available? We're planning to have it out 
by the 1st of May. Okay. All right. And we're uploading, unless you've changed your mind, we're uploading this podcast conversation on the 26th of April. So it'll be just yes. before yes. the book is out. And can, right. uh, it's an ebook, right? It's an ebook. Okay. We hope to have the paperback in the fall. Okay. Is, can that be pre ordered or do they just have to wait until it's launched? Yeah, they'll have to wait until it's launched for the ebook. There might be some pre order for the paperback, but we've got to do some preparations for that. We're not ready. Okay. So what I will do is ask you to send me the link when it's up and I'll I'll go back to the web page and I'll put it in. Okay. So Great. that'll be helpful too. Great. Um CC Vicky, anything you'd like to add? No, I just want to thank you very much for letting us go on your podcast. I think it's really wonderful of you, and you've been very gracious to us. I wanted to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys yeah, are very welcome. Now, this has been a fun conversation. I think it's very informative. And actually, I'm glad we re-recorded it because we got a lot more information in this time, I think. So, uh, yeah. it, as usual, everything works out. <laughs> <laughs> things happen for a reason yeah <laughs> yeah okay well great um so if you f do you guys all feel like you got everything in that you wanted to yes thank you okay thank you for your time uh janine oh you're very welcome you're very welcome great well thank you guys i really appreciate it and um jack had done my chart and i i just took a cursory look at it but i'm gonna really um I'm going to really look at it a lot closer now that I've got a better understanding. And uh, maybe I'll ask one of you to take a look at it and give me a little information. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. Stay well. <laughs>